How are we doing guys? It's Fit Food Radio episode 99 and of course it's me, Matty Boy Whitmore, with the one and only Keris Marsden, as always. Hello. Hello. 99. I got 99 problems. A podcast ain't one. That's <laughs> good, we never do them consistently. Yeah. It's taken us like five years. We'll get there, we'll get there, that big, the big 100 yeah, guys, if, if you have um, topics that you want us to cover, um, email info at fitterfood.com because sometimes it's kind of, when someone emails us and says, can you do this? We're like, yeah, right, right, we'll do it. We're kind of, we, all, we almost need someone to kind of keep us a little bit accountable, don't we, at times? Because we're busy doing a lot of stuff. Well, it's funny Too much stuff. Because sometimes like, and, and we, well, we had that, this very conversation just before we recorded this one in the, I think like, we're always like, what should we talk about today? we're not short of ideas like we're we're full of ideas and that's probably the problem because we're like oh should we talk about this no no, no let's talk about that oh but a lot of questions about this let's go with that subject well, and, we, and we spend about... so much time trying to decide we should just what actually, to talk about we should just actually record we've been up since half five this morning we had a coffee together it was really lovely because for once i wasn't lecturing and you didn't have clients and we we sat and had a coffee and in that time i think we covered cancer heart disease gastric emptying of carbohydrates and fats like it's ridiculous <laughs> what we covered because you're revising for your nutrition uh, exams uh, at the Mac, moment Mac nutrition yeah. yeah and i've been lecturing um gosh everything from heart disease cardiovascular issues cholesterol um to energy metabolism sports nutrition so we're both like that 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 and i was thinking we should just record someone should just like big brother in the fit food household <laughs> because there'd be loads of information it's, it's so funny though we, we always say that don't we we're always like you know like because mondays is probably one of the only mornings we we tend to always have together, isn't it? Yeah. Unless you're lecturing, you know, because Monday's the, the only day that I don't kind of travel into London, you know, and like I say, unless Keris is lecturing. And we do always tend to have Monday mornings together, i.e. we both walk the dog together. And it's always just a really lovely way to start the week, you know, like we make a nice pot of coffee, gigantic pot of coffee. <laughs> I love it. Um, and we just sit and have like a, a good old natter and we were chatting away for about an hour this morning, weren't we? Yeah, I know. But it was nice because it was peeing down with rain outside. So we weren't exactly in a hurry to get out and neither was Hamish, I don't think. I think, he, I think he's actually learned to hear the rain now and think, sod that, um, I'm going to stay in the warm for a little bit longer. Um, but like you say, like it was almost like just rig up microphones and just think, oh, you know, just have them constantly recording. Also though, I'm so much more... This is what I've said to you. I almost need to not be filmed, and I'm so much more natural not being filmed. As soon as yeah. I, we, we, Matt and I had to do this. Um, we're helping a friend with a kind of nutrition DVD, and he had a, a camera crew round and sat us on a sofa, and I was like a rabbit in headlines. <laughs> he was like, "Tell us about fit of food." And I was like, "It's just uh, about food." It's just awful. Like, ah. And I was like saying to you, like, I wish I just, just don't put a camera on me because that's when I'm like. Oh, I don't don't like it. But if I don't know anyone's watching, or I kind of forget a camera's there or anything like that, then I'm like blah 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 blah. Fine. But yeah, maybe we should just set secret cameras up and <laughs> see you raging the peanut M and M tin most of the day. Gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. You're like caught out. <laughs> Fraudsters. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> One of my clients said that to me this week. I, I was uh, I picked up a cup in the middle of the session on Skype, and he was like, "What's in that cup? Is that coffee?" <laughs> Because I'm asking him not to drink coffee at the moment. And I was like, no, no, it's green tea. I promise it's green tea. You should be like, do as I say, don't do as I do. What <laughs> yeah. if you did just start munching peanut M&Ms in the middle of the session on Skype? Like, God, that would be. That's like, 
that'd be that'd be like bloody like career suicide, surely. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, because it could be like you know, because I've done everything that you you need to do, yeah. and, and this is where it gets. This you. is where you could be. <laughs> yeah, you can eat these and be really. Peanut M and M's at eight thirty a.m. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't affect you. Whatsoever. No problem. But a lot's a lot's happened, didn't it, since episode ninety eight? It has. It must be a good few weeks as well. We can't we can't not mention as much as everyone might be like. Are you really going to mention that again if you follow us on social media? That, that you actually ran the London Marathon? Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah. yeah I don't, I've, really, I've not really mentioned it much, to be honest. I don't know, I don't know what you're on about, Kerry's. Drag that out till Christmas. <laughs> um, still, yeah. still wearing the medal. Still, still got it on, Sleeping yeah. in the finisher jumper. T-shirt, yeah. Well, it's quite, it's quite, you joke, but I did wear, wear my uh, fin, uh, marath- London Marathon finisher T-shirt for four days running without washing it. <laughs> I always give it like the little pit pit sniff of the morning. I'm like, yeah, I do another day. We actually walked across London Bridge, and there was that was a good four or five days later, and we passed someone still wearing the medal, didn't we? And yeah. we were like, look, oh he's, got his, on, he's no, got his medal on. He's got That is no, no. It was the <laughs> it was on the when was it the Wednesday? Yeah, yeah it, it was, was Wednesday, and we thought. Um, and I saw it. I was like, that is hilarious. He's wearing his medal on Wednesday. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? Fair play, fair play to him. Good on him. Why? Why? Why the hell not? Um, but yeah, no, I ran the London Marathon and it was absolutely phenomenal. It's quite funny because I used to be one of those people who was always like, "Oh yeah, all right, stop going on about it. You ran, a, you ran the London Marathon, you know, big, you know, congratulations." But you actually, know. you ran the hottest London Marathon. That's another yeah, point you know, to. I don't mean to brag. But, um, <laughs> it was the hottest London Marathon in in history. Um, it, do, do you know? Funny enough, though, speaking of. Um, I have to say, I was um, sorry to interrupt you. I was in. I said so. I, um, I said to you, I'm going to go down to mile six because mile six was randomly speaking of peanut M and M's, right outside the BP garage where me and you we used to live in in um, near Greenwich, and we would very occasionally go to Greenwich. We, go we to used the to pub. live in Charlton. Yeah, go to the pub, and the day we wrote our first book, actually, didn't we? Do you remember we finished it on New Year's Eve, pretty much got it over to the publishers. And went out on New Year's Eve, both exhausted, good for nothing, about six o'clock, had like <laughs> one drink each and then went, let's go home and eat some food and got some peanut M&Ms from that very BP garage well, that well, was mile six of the London Marathon. Well, no, if you remember, what was funny with, with that particular night, it was like we did all the things that you would do on New Year's Eve, but just about six hours earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, you know, we had food, we went for drinks Felt a bit tipsy and we were a bit like, hey, you know, let's just eat rubbish. Walked at Staggered Home. Staggered. <laughs> and, and we even got a train one stop. Do you not remember? We we, we ate the M&Ms on the platform oh, yeah, at Maze Hill to go one stop. That's how it was. It was like, we just can't manage it. And then we got home and it was like... Had a chicken feast and then fell asleep at about half eight. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Job done. Woke up fresh as a daisy the next day. That is a perfect New Year's Eve, to be fair. But, yeah, mile six was that that very place, that special place in our heart. So I said, I'm going to wait there because also it wasn't very crowded. And um, I can't remember saying this. Oh, that was it. Because it was six miles in. And when the elite runners came past, I remember thinking they already looked absolutely knackered. Like they were sweating. And me and my dad were stood on the uh, sidelines, started debating about whether the fact that you have more muscle, because they were really, really lean individuals, and my dad was like, look at the size of them. Like, Matt's going to really struggle in this race with the heat and the size of him and the muscle and stuff. But then, you were, then like, I came to Stephen Phil. was just behind him, wasn't <laughs> yeah. I? Overtook me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, so this is the last thing. I said to my dad, I was like, well, the thing is, Dad, I said, Matt's going to have more glycogen, which means he's going to have more water because you store 
water with muscle glycogen, which is just glucose stored in your muscle. So I was like, he's got a slight advantage in that he's going to have a little bit more water going on. And Dad was like, no, I don't know about that. And I was like, no, Dad, it is a, a fact. And he was like, no, I don't know about that. I was like, no, Dad, it's a fact. <laughs> so we debated yeah, this. But I suppose it'd be the transfer, wouldn't it? In, in that, like, you, you could argue that, you know, oh, because there's more of me, there's more stored water in my body as as, as in because there's Hydration-wise. a yeah because yeah. i'm larger than well you know than the average or the typical elite runner. marathon runner yeah um but then you could say that because i'm but then because i'm heavier um more energy output more energy output um the my you know my sweat rate would be higher you well, know that's so what we it, thought. but then when you came past and you even said this you didn't feel like the heat affected you at all. And actually, I've got to give a shout out to another one of our members, Claire Pink, who ran the marathon. Yeah, big up And I Claire. saw her, and she also does a mixture of, um, I think she does CrossFit and weight training and, and running. And she said the same, the heat didn't really affect her. Yeah, I heard a lot of runners say heat really affected them. Well, I, I saw a lot of people that, that physically looked as though they were struggling. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm not just referring to how much they were sweating because... That doesn't necessarily mean anything at all, and if anything, um, quite the opposite is 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 true. In that the kind of like the fitter you are, if you will, generally the more you tend to sweat because you're a bit more efficient, if you like, yeah. at, at cooling yourself down. Which is um, why I've, well, that's always been my response anyway. Because I it doesn't take much for me to to sweat. Like I sweat really easy. There were some people that it was like you know their facial expressions, their breathing, and passed a friend of mine around kind of like mile ten, eleven, and at this point I felt great mile 10 11 aside from my knee kind of like jipping in terms of like me physically in terms of how i felt energy wise breathing etc and even with the heat i felt great um but i passed him and he kind of like called me he was like that like and i was like oh, bloody hell. and i like shook his hand and i was like how are you getting on and um he was like oh i'm and i mean he, he looked a state to be perfectly honest with you and he just said this heat is absolutely killing me and i remember thinking gosh like, yeah it's hot don't get me wrong but to me, it didn't feel excessively hot. It didn't feel like it was a problem, if you like. But then, I so guess... So do you reckon that's because you were, you are more efficient at cooling and then you had more water stored? I don't know. Or, just, or, or well, no, the other thing well, no, you did was you did a lot of... High, you were doing electrolytes like days and days before. I was, and I yeah. felt that I, I took my, my nutrition very seriously... I took my hydration very seriously. You had a lot of chicken and rice. I did eat a lot of chicken and rice. <laughs> me. You know, but, but, you know, like my biggest fear with the marathon, I feel like I'm going all over the shop here, but, <laughs> um, truth to form, but my biggest worry on the London Marathon, aside from my knee jipping, which I kind of knew was going to happen anyway, so I just thought, you know, whatever. <laughs> You'd need a number two. Was that I'd need number two. <laughs> well, I was just joking then. I didn't think you were going to say that. No, one. for real, because, you know, it stopped me on so many big runs. If you and think about how long it takes you to do yeah, a number two, it's no, not but quick. no, I was going to say that would have you would have been in there. The PB would have gone well out the window. You would have been in the like eight, eight hour, like the road sweepers yeah. would have coming along. Probably wouldn't have got a medal. <laughs> Be there with a magazine. <laughs> Mile six. But, but, but it was a big worry of mine because, it, especially when I did have a time goal. Yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't have minded so much once I'd like you know realised that I was going to let go of my time goal. Because, but but then saying that, I think you know if you've if you've stopped to go to the loo and then you've sat down for however long, I think getting going again would be really quite difficult. Well, one of the most gutting things I saw actually was at Greenwich, uh, the Portaloos. Someone dived out at that point and was queuing 
amongst the oh, spectators no. for the loo. And, and uh, I think someone shouted, for goodness sake, let the guy in. Do you know what I mean? Or let him get to the front of the queue. Mm. And I thought, why aren't they? I, I'd assume they were like ones for just the runners somewhere along the line. Were there or not? Yeah, yeah, there were. Yeah, there were some that were kind of like, I suppose, like inside the inside the barriers, right, okay. you know, yeah. uh, along the way. But, but luckily, I would have given up if I had to queue for the loo. That would yeah, be like that would, have been, that would have been game over. But <laughs> but then, funnily enough, as the race got on, and I, I said to you, didn't I? I would have said like oh, probably about the last four four miles, I would have said or so. Um, and I suppose at this point, it obviously was later in the day, so it was even hotter. Um, but at this point, my knee was really bad and I'd slowed my pace right down because I was just more focused on not walking because I, you know, or, or stopping and essentially just finishing the, the race. I'd noticed at this point that actually it was the first time in the race that I actually genuinely felt thirsty. Before that, I'd, I felt like I'd managed my hydration really well. And I'd not actually felt thirsty at any point, you know, never been like, oh, God, you know, I need water. Whereas this one, I was like, gosh, I can't wait for the next water station. I need to drink. And I felt like no matter what I was drinking, it was almost like just having no no effect on me. And another thing I noticed as well, and, and this is always a bad sign, is I'd almost stopped sweating. So even though that I could feel the sun beating down on me and it was hot, I'd almost stopped sweating. But that's not a good sign because that's essentially your body going... I need to hold on to water here. So it almost stops the sweating process. Yeah, yeah. As almost like a bit of a last-ditch attempt to hold on yeah. to, to fluid. Um, you actually uh, called me into the loo to show me, after the race this was, your first wee after the race, which was like black it was, tea. It was it? ridiculous. You were like, like, come on, look at this. Come on. But, 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 but you know what, though? And, and I've never this seen is that all, all, all jokes aside now, because, you know, dehydration is obviously is very very serious as is overhydration, and it just goes to show you how the, the day was so hot i was i was well hydrated very well hydrated before the race i took on a lot of fluid during the race i couldn't i couldn't tell you how much but it was a lot and after the race i was just almost drinking non-stop wasn't i yeah. You know, I had Lucasade, I had like the, the most amazing tasting can of Coke I've ever had in my life. Like it was oh, it, la, went, la, down, la, it, la, it la. went down an absolute <laughs> treat. Because you just want sugar. You want you want you want sweetness, sugar, you know, and fluid. I was there with a banana for, and for, some date bars. And, and, I, and I refused it, didn't <laughs> I? Did, yeah. My appetite was massively suppressed, which yeah, you, you know you said that I want to eat, I just need fluid. Fluid and like sugar. And anyway, like I, I, again afterwards liters upon liters of fluid i would have had wouldn't i from the race finishing to getting home and then when i got home and i, and I went to the loo which is the first one since the morning and like kerry said it was brown it was this dark brown color which is just pure dehydration and i was in shock because of well because of how much fluid i had consumed i couldn't believe it was that color and that was someone who was really getting fluid down me and putting it down could have been the coke like gone straight through <laughs> like pure coke out coca-cola um but you know so it, it just shows you just how powerful you know the heat can be in terms of like you know if it is increasing your sweat rate massively um one of my favorite aspects of the your, your kind of um pre-race you were getting ready we did uh one one of the tips for any of you guys out there running or doing big events was you were taking um things like saccharomyces boulardii which is a beneficial form of yeast which helps with loose bowel movement so you i got you doing that just because you were like yeah. i don't want to have like runners you know runners guts type thing <laughs> runners runs yeah runners <laughs> runs basically 
And there was loads of things. I kept getting you loads of things like CoQ10 and you were just like getting, oh, you weren't that interested basically, were you? You kind of oh, more, yeah. you like the food stuff more. But you were doing liver actually, weren't you? You got all your liver in mm-hmm. and heart. You have heart or not? You went, I know you got liver in, liver pate and stuff. Uh, I had heart, your mum and dad's, yeah. Yeah, and you started eating loads more organ meats. But um, <laughs> towards the race, you, you, I got you them actually. I said, just get jelly babies. And, and start doing the hard stuff, as in, you know, get in terms of just really bumping up your glycogen stores the mm. night before. But the night before, you, you basically had them out on the table and turned around and your mum had eaten them all, hadn't she? Yeah. So, cheers, mum. <laughs> like, they weren't just a little treat, you know, there was... There was this is for your race as well, weren't they? But, you know, I got in, I had a few, but maybe it weren't a bad thing that she had... I did tell you as well that there was a study where they said that you could just suck the jelly baby. You didn't even need to eat it in the race. Yeah, yeah. And the glucose receptors on the tongue would re- reassure the brain. The energy's that coming. The sugar was, was present, glycogen was all right, and you mm. would still be able to run. But you didn't eat in the end, did you? You didn't eat a jelly baby. I, no, I didn't. I didn't. Jelly, yeah. jelly bean. I, um, I, had, uh, yeah, I had gels. I had two gels and a few leucosates as well along the, along the way. Like drinks. I like to say drinks. Um, but that was risky because when I, in training I hadn't used gels. Yeah. And, um, and you hadn't run enough to, to well, use no, them. To be fair, I hadn't. Like you know, like my my knee kind of scuppered my training, and sixteen miles was the highest I got. And I even said to you, didn't I? Like on after that, I was gonna like I was gonna do an eighteen mile with Lucasaid, which I did. But then I got to thirteen miles, fourteen miles before you know I had to stop because of the knee. And the plan was the the next longer runs to trial the gels, but I never got that far. But equally, um, when I run, I, I, I don't really like like. You said you didn't want to eat. You didn't want to chew. No, I didn't want to chew because I just thought you know I hadn't really trained to do so. Um, so I was a bit reluctant to do that. But I had them with me as a just in case, you know. Like I thought, you know, you never know what's going to happen or how you're going to feel. But um, I must admit, I took on two gels, and I had absolutely no gut problems at all. Um, I was absolutely fine with them, so that was good. It's because of all my probiotic stuff I was doing in the background. Yeah, I agree. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure my fit food lifestyle helped massively. But yeah, um, you know, ran the day, absolutely fantastic experience. You know, not you know, I won't bore you with with the details, but it really was just 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 the whole atmosphere, the whole vibe. Everyone's in a fantastic mood, and the amount of love and support you feel on the day, like you feel. Like a, a professional athlete, oh, like a professional nice. sportsman yeah, yeah. for the day, you know. Like I can everyone knows your name. Yeah, because yeah. you know you're, yeah, you've got your name on your top. Everyone's shouting your name, and not just shouting you like they mean it. Like they're proper behind you, you know. And there was even little things like the kids putting their hands out to high five you, Aww. and and genuinely you give them a high five, and then you'd hear them like as you pass them go yes, oh really, like that, and you're like oh, you could tell it meant something to them as yeah, well. Yeah. And because um, I remember seeing a couple of kids like their arm out and people were just running past them and I felt really bad for them. So I'd like I made an effort to get over to the side to give them a high five and I could tell like it probably meant as much to them as it yeah. as it did to me. Like in the car, you used to wave out the back window. Yeah. Someone to wave back. So you going to wave back first. But also as well, what was really cool was, I, you know, I know injuries suck, but I said to you, didn't I, you know, I was actually pleased to a degree, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and all of that. To, to have had an injury because it forced me to let go of this this time goal that I had, you know, the three-hour um, time goal because it, it just meant I could enjoy the day for what it was. You know, I could really take in the atmosphere and, you know, I got chatting to a few people along the way and if I had a time goal, I wouldn't have wanted to have done that. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to have interacted 
um, it would have been a very different race experience. for me, a very different yeah. experience. And actually, I don't think it would have been a very good one. And um, I thought, God, and I remember thinking, God, this is really nice. You know, I'm, I'm running, I'm part of this lovely day, you know, this amazing atmosphere, I'm chatting to people. Um, and it really was just, just the most amazing experience that I'll, I'll never forget. I've already entered the ballot for next year. I've already entered for the application through the Children with Cancer charity, uh, who I ran for. And raised? Um, well, raised just over 4,000 so far. Um, it's nearly 5,000 with the gift aid. Wow. So, mm. you know, ideally I'd like to get to the 5,000 without gift aid. That's my target. Well I've got a few weeks left yet, so fingers crossed that can happen. Great charity, um, looked after me from the off. Um, you know, the information they send, send out, the community that they create. Um, yeah, and I'm just really pleased to to have raised a good chunk of money for them. Um, especially when you were getting messages from people saying, great cause, you know, this charity helped me when my daughter was diagnosed. And when you can see it has had a genuine impact on people. Yeah. Know. You know, it's just like... Because like, like we say... <laughs> you this, spend I, more time in that Facebook group than you do doing your work, I think, some days. In the children with cancer. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was starting a lot of sentences <laughs> like that. But it was just a really good crowd, you know, a really, really lovely bunch of people and... It was nice meeting a load of them, you know, on the actual day and, and, and everyone had their own reasons. I mean, in a way, I almost felt a bit guilty for being in there because, not guilty, because I ran it for them because, you know, we we feel very passionate about health and, and helping people to be healthy and, you know, helping them wherever they are on their journey. And obviously disease prevention is a massive, massive part of that. Mm. Um, you know, we've both been affected by by cancer you know in our family you know many times we know so many other people you know we, we, we often say I don't know anyone that doesn't know someone or is related to someone that hasn't been affected by cancer yeah, yeah. you know and that's mm. the truth now like and even my mum like even in about the last week my mum's told me of three people that she knows that have been diagnosed really yeah. and that's in a week yeah you know and that's just my mum who knows that's these true. three people anyway like so that was my reason but then, you know, but then when you're in this group of people that have, you know, lost, actually lost their kids to cancer, like, and God, honestly, I was, I used to, used to just come in sometimes, I'd be on the sofa and I'd just be like crying, <laughs> she'd be like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, oh, you know, and I'd tell her about, you know, like this, these people that are posting their stories and it's just, gosh, it's heartbreaking and you forget that, you know. It's a very emotional race in that sense because lots of people run it for some, in the memory of yeah, someone to raise a, money. There's or... a big reason behind yeah. why they're doing it. It's not just, I thought, I just want a fancy run in the marathon. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's there, there's something bigger there. You know, like, it's you forget that when it comes to cancer or any disease, you know, that affects uh, affects someone, you know, it's not just about the treatment of the disease or whatever. It's, it's, it's be, being there. And that's what I love about this charity. It's not just a case of like, oh, you know, we're a charity that helps, you know, treat a child with cancer. It, it provides a support network for the, for the parents, for the families, you know, because you need that, right? You know, it's not just a case, you know, case of going, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to help you with the treatment. It's actually providing someone with, you know, someone to talk to, you know, tips on, on what they can be doing you know, for themselves, to look after themselves. and Do you know, it's really interesting you say that because <clears throat> more and more there's quite a lot of research saying that when people are going for, for kind of medical um, care or even go and see a nutritionist or a personal trainer, 
that they can almost pick up straight away, and we know this from mm. our own experience, whether um, they can, you kind of look if that person really seems to care, and it seems to make, it seems to have quite an impact on the success of the, the, um, you know, the kind of intervention that they suggest or the the guidance that they give you. Mm-hmm. And there's loads of research on this now, where it, it's if if you believe that the person delivering that information genuinely cares about you, then people tend to have better rates of recovery. So it was one of the frustrations that I think both you and I had that when we first got into um, the training industry, we came across a lot of people who we kind of joke and say our dollar signs for eyes basically. And you pick up on it quite quickly. If you're, you could just see, oh, they're totally innocent for the money. They don't really care if I get fit and strong, but we were lucky enough to come across people that did really care. And even when we went, entered the industry and became trainers ourselves and went and trained with other people, doing kettlebells or whatever it might be we could pick up whether the person delivering the course genuinely wanted us to be good kettlebell trainers or just wanted us to whack down you know a grand (laughs) on a cert for them yeah and we picked it up straight away and it's exactly the same in terms of having that support network that you've just mentioned for you know whether it be through a charity actually genuinely helps people and they're kind of looking at the mechanisms was it you know even the immune system picks up when the body feels safer and Mm. feels like they're being cared for it's incredible and it actually be you know it kind of transfers over into into physiology or biology in that sense and it's something that i've got really frustrated with i think even in nutritional therapy and more so probably with functional medicine is more and more people are entering it and it's becoming a little bit more i suppose you know just kind of um there isn't the same how do i phrase this you know that same kind of level of empathy and and genuine passion that, that you might have it becomes a bit kind of I don't want to say medicalized, but you know, it's like, well, this is your appointment time, and you, you know, you can't contact me in between, and da da da, and you know, I don't really work like that, and it, it's why I don't take on a lot of clients because I can't. But when you start to, when I think our industry start to get like that, like as a personal trainer, if you whack in your diary one after the other after the other, to the point you're you're kind of exhausted and you're not really yeah. giving it your best. And I think nutritional therapists in danger and functional medicine practitioners are doing the same, and so it's a bit mm-hmm. like definitely. Then you get a bit protocol based. You haven't got time to kind of go away and look at the research. You haven't got time to really read the individual in front of you and think about their kind of emotional background. Whereas for me, I think, I've always said this to you, I, I, I loved anthropology when I was at uni. Like, I love stories. I love people and I like the history and, and that kind of stuff. So for me, one of the most fascinating part, parts of working with people, and now I do the, the clinics at, at the college where I see a member of the public in front of the students, and I say to them, the most the most amazing part of it all is is that person's story and yeah. going right back to the beginning and looking at everything from their kind of you know just just their emotional well being, um, you know, traumatic experiences, all those kind of things. They really feed into your health and your your kind of outcomes. And also, I don't know, it's just it, it changes you on a level of like physically, your immune system is different, but also in terms of their accountability or their motivation or their determination to follow or even trust the advice that you deliver yeah it all comes back to whether they think you genuinely care and i think like you've just said you genuinely got that that feeling from the charity you work for that they cared about this and they cared about their runners and they wanted their runners to have the most amazing time mm. and and therefore you're you're like right i'm coming back in i'm going to do this again next year oh yeah because like for me it was like all of a sudden this marathon that is supposed to be this one day event almost became uh you know months and months and months and months long because well you already saying now in, in the group as well you're like I, I feel like i could go in and do you know like maybe a talk to the runners about nutrition or to the parents yeah. about nutrition and you're already thinking about could you do something else because you've kind of got that community oh, i'd love to get involved with them i really would because i just think you know it just 
there's so much kind of crossover there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 I don't know. Just like I say, it just it just feels like a, it's a com- community that I very much enjoy being part of. And I was almost a bit sad when the marathon was over because it's like, oh, it's you know, don't get me wrong, I'm still in the group. And, <laughs> and people are still interacting, which I'm really pleased about because I thought it was just going to almost like boom, end. just yeah, end yeah. and that be it kind of thing. And I can't remember what I was gonna what I was gonna. Uh, say now but probably that's enough about me waffling on about the marathon people are probably sick of it no it's very interesting what are we going to talk about in this podcast forgotten <laughs> we were going to talk about well we, we were going to talk about things like well i suppose this kind of ties in really because this was an observation right um with the as part of the marathon group and generally people that i spoke to that that were training for the marathon or any marathon for that matter is their kind of approach from like a from a training nutrition perspective and it was like you know you mentioned I was chicken and rice you know because I was keeping my fibers low yeah and I was keeping my fats low you know because you know I wanted to minimize my chances of having gut issues and obviously too much fat too much fiber could potentially have caused me problems along the way so you know just a safe bet white rice chicken you know lean protein you know still very very tasty you know no no dramas there but whereas other people <laughs> Uh, in the group that were like posting, um, you know, like their kind of carb up meals, and it was all like pizza, you know, stuffed crust, like cheesy pastas. Like I think they were almost taking the whole carb load thing a bit too well, you, far. You said the same thing at the start line. What people were eating at the start line was like peanut butter and bagels. Which yeah, like I remember, I just remember thinking like, and don't get me wrong, they they might have that might have been what they'd had like for their training and yeah. whatever, and they know what they can have, and I know everybody's different. But I remember thinking, I probably wouldn't have taken that approach, like, personally. And then equally also know that a lot of people did suffer guttish in the race. Yeah. And part of me was a bit like, hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, you know, yeah. probably like that kilo of cheese you had on your pizza the night before, <laughs> yeah. you know, probably didn't help But things. the thing is as well, it's the nerves when you've gotten an event. And oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's you can't, a big you can't really account for that. I think um, I have so many cases of IBS that I'm working with at the moment where not stress... Stress plays a role in terms of, yeah, they might have stressful jobs, yeah, they might have stressful um, situations at home, whatever it might be, but but also they're stressed about um, things like stress about not being able to fix their gut mm. and then not being able to do all the things they love doing, like running, for example. So I have runners where I'm like, you need to stop running, and that really stresses them out. But I'm like, well, the gut's really um, kind of messed up at the moment, we need to restore it, we need to fix it, and then you may be able to run again, but you're still going to have to keep an eye on this as, a, as feedback, and that stresses them. Yeah. And then we get stuck in this vicious cycle where I'm like, okay, now the stress is is of not running, which means you have to kind of go really, you know, kind of wind back a little bit and go, okay, then why does not running stress you out so much? And then that's all about, you know, kind of mood health and other stuff. But same for, I've got one client who has IBS who gets stressed about having an IBS episode and therefore he's in a cycle of, of stress as well. Mm. And I think you mentioned in the morning, you were like, my stomach is doing flip-flops right now. So I think, think about the, the pre-race nerves and then the fact that they loaded up on a load of stuff that was probably going to be like, just that would go straight through you essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a lethal combination, I think. And that's why it's quite good, I suppose, you know, to really experiment with all that kind of pre, pre-race nutrition way before. But you, that's why you went for kind of very plain food for you, like basically plain white rice, plain chicken, a little bit of veg, didn't you? Kind of yeah. like steamed veg. Vinegar on it. Did you put any vinegar? In the vinegar. No sauces. What did you put on it? On what? On your chicken and rice. And on the chicken, I put like seasoning and yeah, you know, but you didn't like do any herbs like big and... sauces or anything. Did no, you? no, no, no. Just just a bit of like seasoning and some like herbs and spices. Yeah. 
you know, it's just doing, you know, very tasty, like, it was tasty, you know, it probably is a little bit blander than I would normally have, but, but I still enjoyed it, it wasn't like I was like, you know, God, you know, this is dull. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was just, I, like, you know, my biggest priority was not for the need in the loo during the, during the race, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that was my numero uno priority, so I wasn't really bothered about about that plus I knew I was going to be smashing back like tubs of ice cream afterwards so <laughs> I had that to look forward to but I suppose um what we did talk about talking about <laughs> was was energy wasn't it because we were saying we're kind of seeing time and time again um that people are well essentially well they're struggling with their energy levels you yeah. know they're they're you know, they're, they're struggling to kind of have any kind of get up and go in the morning. They're struggling to conjure up the energy to go to the gym, to work out. Um, and, you know, lack of energy does tend to have a negative knock-on effect. You know, surprise, surprise. You know, it stops you moving, stops you exercising. Um, you know, could potentially stop you being bothered to prepare your food, etc., etc. So if you have got a health and fat loss goal, then probably going to cause a few stumbling blocks, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I was talking to you about this this morning because I said it's so interesting, that the topic of energy, because it comes up on every questionnaire that I receive when it's like, oh, what, what's your goal? And, and they have, there's often have more, it's always lose weight, have more energy. Those two are probably my top ones. But then obviously people might have, you know, resolve gut issues, address thyroid, other kind of stuff going on in the background. But those are very kind of common ones. And again, it, it, it's when you actually sit with somebody and talk through energy and their experience of it, what never ceases to amaze me and I genuinely think we should be taught this from the age of 11 as soon as we get to secondary school because your teenage years are when you really do, um, I think, really do screw up your body in so many ways because you have all the hormones kicking in generally, but look at how your nutrition changes as a teenager and your lifestyle and everything. That's when it's going to be, it could be smoking, alcohol, drinking, processed food. You get to earn money for the first time. So if your parents have been you know kind of cooking food for you having your own income changes that mm. maybe go to uni you become night owls often as well so think about teenage years what that does and then 20s 30s and 40s is basically all about the fact that you've got no energy 50s you've really got no energy <laughs> huh. and so what the reason I kind of said that was I still think it's so remarkable that we can be so advanced at so many things as human beings and you could be chief executive of a company you could be doing the most kind of um, you know, advanced technology in terms of being in IT, yet you don't know how your energy, how your body, sorry, produces energy. But none of us know. And I didn't know before I studied nutrition. Even as a personal trainer, you get like the most kind of basic information on this kind of topic about energy metabolism is what we call it. And it's basically how does your body transform the food that you eat into energy and energy currency within the body and then how do you manage that well? So like, what things could we do on a daily basis that would ensure you have a nice drip feed of energy so you're not kind of basically crashing at several you know, times across the day or several times across the week? And I think we all have a tendency to basically drive our body at 100 miles an hour when it gives us the capacity to. Mm -hmm. And there can be environmental stimulus to that. So, for example, you leading up to the marathon, so much energy going on because you had so much to be excited about. Yeah, you know, and so much to get up for every morning, and it's like you know, dopamine levels were really high. You were like oh, that, that kind of sense of reward and risk was just there. You know, like what's going to happen? I don't know. So loads of energy, and and then afterwards you noticed. It's funny because the day after you said I'm still on a massive high, and then the, the I think it was like two days after you had like narcolepsy basically. Every time I came in, you were like, 
<laughs> yeah, it was really yeah, it kind of <laughs> did. It did hit me like a, a couple of days later. Like, so I remember being quite surprised at how, because I suppose in my head I thought after the marathon I'm going to probably get home, stuff my face, and, and then sleep. fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. But actually, like my energy was through the roof. Yeah, because it's mental as well. Yeah, like, as in, as, as a kind of that's that stimulus there. I actually ended up going to bed quite late. Like for me, on the day, yeah, because yeah. I think there's it's really important to know there's so there can be those environmental triggers, and I think that that must come back to like fight or flight in terms of you know, if we were cavemen, we've got to be able to kind of pull it out of the bag at any point if our life was you know being threatened, and it's mm. a very similar thing where you're like, I've got to do this by this date, so it's how we can always rise to a deadline, we can kind of recruit the energy. But then we'll often crash afterwards because the body's like, right, we're in fight or flight. It doesn't really yeah. know the difference between, um, you know, a, a kind of lion, you know, standing in the doorway or you having to, to do this by a certain time. So so it can do it. But then we get the crash. And again, people don't stop and think about it. So the first thing I would say with energy is you've got to start understanding that it's a limited resource, essentially. And the older you get, the the more the body has been running that process. It's a bit, basically you are a car. <laughs> and if you run that car at top, top gear, top speed for 40 years, what sort of state is that car in? And, you know, at the end of that mm. 40 years, it's knackered, especially if you're not doing things like MOT, polishing it. I don't, you know, I don't know anything about cars. You can tell why this is going. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, I, I don't know that polishing it uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. has much of an effect on the engine or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So imagine if you do that. And it's the same thing with the body. So with every decade that passes, there's a certain degree of damage that's taken place as a natural byproduct of, of energy metabolism, you know, converting your food into energy. Um, and therefore, you've got a higher need to go and do those MOTs a little bit more. So go for those checkups whenever there's some kind of sign or symptom of, you know, not doing too well. So in a car, it makes a funny noise. We, we go to the garage straight away and go, can you get it checked out, please? You know, it's making this noise when I drive. You know, a light goes out. We're like, oh, can't drive with one light out. But, you know, like with our body, we don't do that. We just push and push and push until it's like, um, okay, when it, when it actually inhibits us from doing what we want to do, we go and then go and ask for a pill, basically. That's, yeah. that's kind of what we do. And so firstly, there's that kind of thing where you've got to understand that it is that limited resource. You've got to start to rein it in. As we get older and the hormone levels decline, that's you know basically a sign that we should do less as we get older. And it's a big lecture that I've given my mum and dad last week. We've just done all their blood tests again. There's the kind of annual tests that we do. And they've been... Um, uh, really enjoying and I never want to set them enjoying you know you know what they want to do in life but they they kind of commit to too much hmm. and they commit to some things that they want to do like social things but then they commit to seeing every single member of the family that needs them so that's their parents and that's their granddaughter and that's um oh and you know need to get cars MOT they just commit to so much that they trazz around for about two weeks and then they're exhausted yeah, they, they never seem to be in one place for very long do no, they? no no and then and they're exhausted and but also as they're trazzing around doing all this stuff it's kind of they're eating out quite a bit and they are not eating kind of home-cooked food and they're in a car like traveling for long periods of time so they're not doing exercise and then they come home and then they're basically like one will say oh my gut's kicked off again you know this has happened that's happened my skin's not good and, and I'm kind of like right okay so here we go again and I've got to draw up a protocol but I kind of gave them a lecture and said you've got to just start planning everything a little bit better with a view that and, and my dad's the first to say that he does not want to accept that he's got a bit older and has to you know yeah has to you know kick back he does prioritize these things I'm well, not so much but mm. 
that they've got to think about their energy a little bit more and the priority is things like sleep and getting their veggies in and doing sensible amounts of exercise be that a walk whatever it might be but they'll drive up and down the UK to see all their friends in the north and then back down again and then up again you know like it's good yeah. eight hour stint in a car and then you know all my joints are really bad again and it's like can you come over and do some yoga with us and I kind of said I can't keep picking up the pieces of you guys you know basically running yourselves ragged and then then wanting you know but then but on that note though like it's not even just that they're running themselves ragged because to a degree I think your mum and dad and I think a lot of people are like this is they actually quite enjoy it oh yeah like you know I think it's yeah it's in their nature to be busy you know it's in their nature to kind of like you know it's not in their nature to be sat on their ass reading the paper for hours and hours on end or just chilling sitting in the garden you know if your dad's in the garden he's normally working you know he's grafting away in the garden if your mum's at home like her idea of chilling is you know making an some new curtains or, yeah, or crafting yeah. like upholstery and, yeah. and stuff like that but okay. the, the the key uh, i said crafting yeah but it's, it's, crafting. it's not crafting it's a po- she does literally transform a whole room in about two days well, we came in the other day and she'd like like you know put like completely new covers on the armchair and every time you come around you think she's got a new bit of furniture and she hasn't she's just decided to it's change like an episode of changing rooms yeah. isn't it yeah <laughs> what was that program there we just do it on the cheap it was, was it was changing rooms, wasn't really. it? Like yeah, Instead yeah. of buying a new sofa, just buy this fabric and a you know hire a sewing machine, yeah. and and you could do this. Um, and but, she loves it, but yeah, you're right. But what I was going to say was, it, it comes down to supporting that activity. So it's not just a case of going, oh, you know, you're running yourself ragged or, or you're doing too much. Because more often the case, like the human body is durable. Like we're capable of taking on a lot of graft, you know, a lot of work if we put our minds to it. But we need to support it. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. It's not that people are necessarily doing too much, but it's more that they're not doing enough yeah, yeah. to support it, you know, in the Absolutely. way in the way of like, you know, the foods they eat, the amount of sleep they get, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well it's very interesting you say that because the first thing that I, I kinda of said to mum and dad is I um I go through I do I do big supplement protocols for them, but I said there's no point doing this if you're not doing the basics. And mm. I will stop writing these protocols if you two don't start doing the basics. So for my mum, my mum is not a fan of exercise. And I've said it's a fundamental need. It's a bloody vitamin to the body. You have got to start doing something like a walk or, you know, yoga. I have it... never seen someone <laughs> avoid exercise <laughs> as much as your mum. Like, terrible. it's hilarious. Especially when you are so into it. And, know, and your dad. Crazy, crazy isn't You know, it? I, go, I go around, you know, when we go around to your mum, and dad's and your dad's always like I had a great kettlebell session this morning Matt <laughs> some swings renegade, renegade rows <laughs> and he does that you know you can't, you can't see on the podcast but you know he kind of almost like flares his chest up a little bit like, <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, and I think, like, I um, I mean, in terms of what we do, so if you look at our lifestyle, and this is what I keep saying to my mum, because she, my mum bats it back to me and says, well, you're a fine one to talk, you know, because like, we do too much, and we know we do too much. But but firstly, as I highlight to them, I'm half your age for yeah, a start. For a start, love. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Matt more so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, first of all, I highlight that the age, the age is a factor, and you have got to start to rein it in a little bit every decade that passes. But the next thing I would say is... As well as taking things like, and I can talk in a second about, you do need a lot of vitamins and minerals to be able to convert your food into energy. So understanding, we've talked about it on previous podcasts, you do need to have good amounts of B vitamins, magnesium and iron, things like CoQ10, manganese are really important. But every time you produce energy, this is a bit like me in the kitchen, when I make a fit food recipe, I create a whirlwind of mess. 
as you might have seen oh, if you follow us on Facebook. Yes, do. I don't actually tidy as I go, which is, I know it's like criminal to some people. So there's like vegetable peelings everywhere. There's window, there's windows open, doors open, covers open because I'm fast. And basically I can do about six recipes in half a day, whereas it takes you about six days to do six recipes. Or whatever. But anyway, um, so I'll be fast and I'll get everything done and I, I, I rush for the light because you lose the light across the day. So I don't bother tidying and I create a mess. But do you ever remember the time in our flat when <laughs> I blocked the sink? Do you remember that? I was well, how can I forget? I was um, like a whirlwind in the kitchen. and Because you had to unblock it. Yeah, but I created this <laughs> huge feast. But then I blocked the sink and it got to a point where I couldn't cook anymore because the sink was so full of peelings and then it backed up that I couldn't wash any more pots because I didn't have a dishwasher and I couldn't do any more cooking. So I just started crying. Do you remember that? <laughs> I just I started crying. <laughs> just with the stress. And Hamish was trying to kind of... First world problems. Comfort me. And I just sat down on a step. Can't even cried. do the washing up. <laughs> But the reason I'm telling you that is the same thing can happen to the body because every time you produce energy, so you use your proteins, carbs or fats, you send them into a cell and mitochondria is where it's like the battery, it uses them for energy. There's this byproduct, which most people will know it as free radicals, but really you should call it reactive oxygen species, but that's another point. So they're produced as a byproduct. And if you haven't got the capacity to kind of um, basically tidy up the kitchen, so if you continue to do all this really kind of high energy stuff as well as the fact that our bodies are kind of assaulted by free radicals from things like pollution and chemicals and infections as well then what happens is the cell can't do its job the cells that are supposed to produce um, hormones you know adrenaline cortisol that give us energy the cells that are supposed to produce the brain chemicals that give you motivation can't do their job so everything comes to a grinding halt Mm. and at its worst that's what you call chronic fatigue when the you know the batteries are completely knackered and so it could be an infection related one but usually there's there's other stuff going on and that's why it used to be called do you remember yuppies disease it was called yuppie syndrome in the 80s when people got burnt out basically right and and so it's basically when that kitchen is so messy you can't cook in it anymore so you can't you can't churn out the recipes plugs blocked so you start (laughs) just cry yeah but the thing is is like all of this is it's it's accumulative isn't it in the it's not like someone will just have like one really busy day and then their body just goes oh you know, it's normally a build-up, isn't it? You know, so let's say someone's going through a really crazy busy period at work that's going on for weeks and weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it builds up, it builds up, and then all of a sudden that's when your body just kind of goes, oh, you know, I, I need a I need a break. You know, things, yeah. you know, your body just starts giving you all these signals that it's really not happy, it's shattered, and it needs time, it needs nutrients, it needs sleep well, to, well, yeah, to, well, to mean... try and, like, you know, reach reach homeostasis i guess because your body always wants to be in a state of balance well what i was going to say was the reason i was kind of telling that side of things because what i've kind of said to my mum dad is yes matt and i do lead kind of like i'd say like high energy lifestyles but it's why we also stick by you know sometimes be it quite selfishly certain principles that we Mm. have to um um kind of fulfill and there's always a little bit of um uh conflict when it comes to like a family do because me and you are always like can't be a late one can't be a late one like we don't do a late one because we have to be up at four or five o'clock in the morning mm. whereas everyone else in the family's like come on like can't we meet at seven or eight o'clock at night you know and stay up till midnight and so you know there's always that kind of 
conflict a little bit there but but what we do in terms of okay so here's how we look after ourselves is is first of all we do prioritize exercise and I don't mean exercise as in it's always a gym session it's it's a really nice mixture and both of us have got better at reading can we do a gym session today sometimes it's about putting your trainers on and just seeing but yeah. neither of us ever feels guilt about just stopping if we haven't got it in us and yeah. we both try and combine a combination of kind of resistance training with cardiovascular stuff with some walking and some yoga and sometimes our movement yoga stuff is literally across the day um i've kind of got my standing desk back up again after a period of just basically not using it um i've got that again and i'm trying to do things like in between you know kind of client sessions doing some things like some yoga stretches on the floor um i'll sit and have a cup of tea and a deep squat like just trying to incorporate movement across the day whereas you know if i look at my mum for example she'll be hunched over a chair for about eight hours doing the upholstery and then she'll be like oh my back's really bad you know and i'm like well i wonder what you know so trying to we even on our sedentary days incorporate movement across the day and both of us have always been very like we don't take the lifts we don't take escalators even when i'm at college for the day i walk from the station to the college which is you know 40 minute walk and people are like you're crazy but it's nice in the tube for a start um and actually one of the other lecturers um said to me the other day that when when we do clinics um half it's upstairs half it's downstairs and i thought that people would kind of compete as in for where do you be upstairs or downstairs because basically one role will involve you going upstairs every hour to, to see the students if that makes sense because right. you're going to be based downstairs and one is you can have an office upstairs and uh, I arrived one day and I said oh I don't mind I'll have the office downstairs with a view that you know a bit of movement and he's like no no I'm having it because he wanted to do he said I'll do 18,000 steps if I have the office downstairs Pretty so hell. he was doing it on purpose because oh, he was wow. like I want to hit 18,000 steps energy and stuff it just makes such a big difference oh it's huge like when um, like you mentioned earlier you know I'm, I'm kind of revising at the moment for my Mac Nutrition uh, exams and I've been kind of like working on a like a, a 45 minute to 15 minute break scenario so yeah. I'll revise for 45 minutes then I'll take 15 minutes and in that 15 minutes I'll often um you're doing like foam rolling I was doing some foam rolling I do like a little mini mobility sequence I do a little bit of stretching yeah you know a cup of tea or coffee as well you know like in that 15 minutes but difference, because sometimes I'll be a bit like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and do nothing for 15, give my brain a break. Yeah. But I, I really did notice the difference on the days when I moved more on my mini breaks yeah, compared yeah. to the days when I didn't yeah. in, in my energy yeah. and my product productivity with the um, with the, the 45 minute stints yeah. of revision. And, and it's like we always say, you know, it doesn't have to be like when we talk about movement. You know, just little dribs and drabs across the day yeah. is a great way big to get thing. it in. It doesn't need to be like a one big movement sesh or no, training no. sesh or whatever. Obviously, you know. Claire is telling me, um, Claire is our mentor and she's at um, CNM in Bristol. She's one of our fit food mentors. Yeah. And she was saying in her break, the lunch break, she they're in a, like an industrial estate. I can't think of anything worse. But she get, gets outside and just laps the industrial estate. And she's like, people think I'm bonkers. But my energy, if I have to mm. sit any longer that day, because it's a 10 till 6 day, and I'm lucky lecturing that I stand. I find out, I, I feel like so lucky because sometimes <laughs> you just see people's eyes closing and the jaw falls open. And I remember like being there and it was the yeah. same. Um, so yeah, so firstly you know prioritize movement exercise secondly fresh air as well like and that makes the biggest difference opening a window but also just we've said this before getting outside in terms of your energy and again with the with the kind of i've done some real kind of hardcore stints of you know five days back to back lecture and the next day i find it quite hard and ideally sometimes i should book it off and have 
and do nothing. But sometimes I can't. I've got appointments booked in. I have to crack the whip. Like, come on, yeah, <laughs> get back to business. No rest for the weekend. <laughs> but I started to really appreciate the afternoon walk with Hamish again, where because I'll find by about three o'clock, I'm like, oh my god, like now I'm really struggling. And I'll head out to the woods with him. And even you've said this, like, God, you come back a different person because I'll be getting like overwhelmed. And when I'm getting overwhelmed, I get Just very. Tell us something. Get yourself out for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> you had a nap today. <laughs> But I will get, as soon as I can feel my energy levels coming down, I want to start to feel overwhelmed and then I get really irritable and then I just get downright nasty, don't I? Which you will, yeah. you can verify. <laughs> <laughs> and I go outside and, and although I don't want to go outside, like every part of me goes, can't be bothered. I cannot be bothered. As soon as I get out there and breathe fresh air, within five minutes, I'm a different person. I really am. Yeah. But it's that first bit of getting outside and, and knowing that that's good for you. We are so grateful, aren't we? Like, Because obviously now we're in... Tunbridge Wells, you know, where a bit more greenery yeah. than there was oh, in, God, in yeah. South East London. Yeah. And, um, you know, despite, you know, me being a kind of born and raised London boy, and I had moments, didn't I, the first kind of couple of months of us living here. And you even said to me, you were like, you seem like you don't want to be here, like you, like you regret moving here. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't regret moving here. You know, I'm, I'm excited for a new chapter and, and, and whatnot but I think it was such a change for me in terms Ooh. of like my surroundings and my environment now like you know after a couple of months I remember thinking what am I on about like this is amazing like we fair, you're fine as soon as you get the attire for the for the location so as soon you, as you've you got, got a flat cap yeah and a wax jacket or, or, or the park yeah <laughs> and some decent wellies I'm, you're like i'm i'm i'm, I'm well rocking it now I'm, I'm here i'm rocking it yeah totally <laughs> all, all you know all i need now is like a, a rifle yeah yeah you know i won't even go shooting with it or anything i'll just have one deer stalker hat yeah yeah um what else? Okay, so <laughs> what else? The other thing is that we prioritise. Because you said to, actually, funny enough, you did say to me the other day. I can't remember what I was wearing now, but you went, you look. Uh, you, you, I think you even said like you look very Tunbridge Wellsy. Yeah, yeah. Like you've your your outfit, and I was like, okay, is that a thing? But... You, had, you had one of them. What's that famous brand? The tweed Harris Tweed. You see the Harris Tweed blazer. Yeah, I'm not really a fan. I always think of um, who's, who's the guy that used to wear one in uh, Last of the Summer Wine. Do you remember? <laughs> that will be the, you. The scruffy one. Yeah, at, at 50 years, that will be you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe then. <laughs> Not now. Wandering around Tommy's Wells Common, hope, hoping that someone will speak to you. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay, back to Lastly, um, so a couple of other things with energy. So obviously, um, we've kind of talked about vitamins and minerals. Got to have the vitamins and minerals. It's my biggest bugbear is that, you know, everyone's talking about macros, calories, carbs, fats, protein. No one is talking about the fact that if they haven't got the minerals in them and the vitamins, you can't convert them into energy. And again, if you haven't got the omega-3s, you're not going to get them into the cell to burn the, the macronutrients for energy either. So always be thinking about nutrient density, such a fundamental part. And the more you do, the more you stress, the more you're living in that kind of, you know, high stress environment or polluted environment, whatever it might be, the more you've got a raised need for all those vitamins and minerals. The more you smoke, the more alcohol you drink, the more mm. drugs you do more you deplete them all so it is about that about all of those things and it's funny because <laughs> we've both been saying this we're doing a lot of the kind of biology uh, you know kind of biochemistry side of stuff both of us aren't we studying at the moment but it doesn't change anything that we've ever recommended and to be fair it doesn't change a lot of the recommendations when it comes to chronic disease generally everyone's always known you can't you know smoking drinking high stress lifestyle lack of sleep and processed foods equals chronic disease yeah, but, this is but the thing, why like... why people don't want to change that is, is a whole other ball game that's 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 you know mental health is a lot of well it's like that um 
you know, that campaign, you know, about obesity, you know, obesity is the second, uh, biggest modifiable factor. Yeah. Yeah. Preventive cause of, of cancer. And it, you know, it caused a bit of, bit of uproar, you know, some people didn't like it, some people, you know, for whatever reason, but it's like, well, they're kind of just stating a fact, you know, it's what's the big hoo-ha, but at the same time, is anyone (laughs) surprised? You know, did, did you, did you not know that obesity is bad for your health? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, is that, was that, did that come as a complete shock to anybody? Because if it did, then blimey, like your ignorance is a, a whole nother level. Well, it's, it's, it's like when there's a hormone issue. We talk about this a lot, don't we? People say, oh, I've got a hormone issue. And you actually look at them or you look at the, you know, if I'm getting a health questionnaire in and, you know, actually there's a body composition issue. There's the person is, you can do the weight and height, you can see they're overweight, hip waist ratio, whatever it is. If there's a body composition issue with a man or a woman, there is going to be a completely different hormone profile because body fat will be producing estrogen, producing inflammatory cytokines and basically inhibiting... Um, you know, or, or kind of affecting leptin, which is a hormone that tells you that you're full. Mm-hmm. So what is the quickest win we can get in that situation is to lose the body fat. Yeah. Not that I like making that the focus. And it's really hard with women when there's that history of, you know, um, self-esteem and poor body image as well. So it's got to be done very diplomatically, safely in the context of you and your but, body as a team. But you have got to address the body composition uh, issue. Oh, 100%. And stop looking for the hormone solution because it doesn't but, matter how much dim you take, how, many, how much calcium deglucurate, how many of these supplements you've got to... And same for testosterone. No zinc or magnesium is going to buffer or whatever it is that you're doing. What's the other herbs that people do? Nettle root and... Well, that, that's yeah. people looking, you know, that's yeah, that classic yeah. example of looking for a short, you know, a short term, you know, quick, a quick solution to a bigger problem. Um, and essentially just, what well, you're throwing, you're throwing, throwing your hard-earned cash down the drain. But, you know, I mean, the fact that there's studies out there that have involved overweight, obese individuals losing weight, if you will, through an unhealthy means i.e. Um, like there's one that I think it was called like the Twinkies oh, diet. Yeah, so just eat nothing but Twinkies. You know, it was like eating loads of Twinkies as well as other like heavily processed, you know, nutrient-lacking foods. Yeah. Um, however, all health markers improved because of the reduction in weight. Yeah, yeah. That to me, you know, yeah, fair enough. This, this was for the sake of, uh, this is almost uh, an, an exaggerated scenario for the, for the sake of the study to prove just how bad being obese is that you could actually lose the weight obviously placing a calorie deficit but eating nutrient lacking you know processed foods all of these things that you know people say not to eat as part of like a, a health when you're seeking you know a, a diet when you're seeking optimal health you know all the markers improved and and i just think that to me speaks volumes it really really does yeah definitely I suppose, and, and, and going back to the nutrition side of things, what I uh, have said is as we've got busier, we've actually got more organised with our nutrition. Mm. So both of us are now commuting back and forth to London. So for the first time ever, I, I can really empathise because I've definitely had it easier than my, many of my clients in yeah. terms of, you know, I'm not doing a, a, a long hour job, but, but now I have been and some days, you know, several days, several consecutive days. So I've just got really quick at, at basically meal prep and, and stopped kind of, you know, I don't, I don't, it's like my dad said sometimes, food can just be functional sometimes in the week. It absolutely can. If you love what you're doing, you don't really care about the food. You just want the energy. That's what you mm. want because you're so yeah. enjoying what you're doing. But I also know, and this is what I've noticed, that definitely happens with, I've got clients that work in the city, I've got clients that travel the world, is they get very like food becomes functional. But, but their um, version of functional food is dive into Pret and get a baguette 
or dive into this place and just get a you know a, a pastry and a coffee and a, a latte that's functional food to them because mm. it's an energy hit allows them to do what they want to do but they suffer for it later yeah. because there isn't the the antioxidants and things that you need to basically address all the kind of free radical damage there's not the vitamins and minerals and so they'll suffer later whereas what i do is basically it might be things like a smooth my version is a smoothie that i'll make at home and you know i've got so it takes me about 10 minutes because with practice this is the thing with batch cooking you do it more you get quicker yeah and the night before everything goes in the smoothie maker i don't blend it but it's all there ready yeah all i have to do is add a scoop of protein powder and and you've seen basically i, I always make sure that week i've got a ton of salad stuff in and Salad, as much as people are like, mm, salad, it's an instant meal. And all I do with it basically is add a ton of things like nuts and fruit and seeds to make it actually tasty, avocado, that kind of stuff. And and usually I'll batch cook a ton of proteins or it's tinned fish if I haven't had a chance to do it. So you get yeah. quicker. But the one thing we have done since probably about, was it this, yeah, it's over a year I think we've been doing it, maybe six months, is we started getting a veg box. So although we like going to the supermarket and sometimes we'll go and carry all the supermarket shopping back, um, just for a kind of da- daily movement we started getting a veg box which is keeping us much more accountable yeah. to getting our fruit and veg in. we both hate food waste and um, we also add in things like broccoli sprouts and chives and herbs and some of the steambergs spice blends like jerk blends so we can quickly do chicken in a jerk mix steambergs is the best herb and spice company ever I love yeah. it um, and and that is a priority for me and I've got quicker at doing it and that's the sort of thing that slips with busy people and yeah. the thing to note about when you're eating out and just grabbing and going from a supermarket or a food outlet is that food comes from all over the world. It's been pre-prepped. It, it might have been cooked in, in really rancid oils and is, is very, I would say, kind of lacking in nutrients, even if you're going for the good options. And, and definitely I, I have to do that sometimes. I have to go for prayer or whatever. Yeah. But you know the right choices to make. And what I will say is, and I say this to all my clients, is the thing is the portions are tiny and it costs a fortune and then you're still hungry afterwards. That, so it pays to do your food prep. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I always say. You know, like for a moment, forget forget the kind of like nutrition side of things. Like you could save yourself a fortune by preparing your own meals. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and, 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 you know, just to be clear, we're not bashing like a prep baguette. You know, you, you can quite happily eat a, a baguette or whatever as part of a healthy a healthy lifestyle. I think the problem comes when these are people's go-tos on a daily basis. You know, these are people's go-to, you know, like more often than than, than not. And, you know, let's be honest, with a baguette, yeah, you know, pre- uh, very good for um, a lot of the stuff's made on site and, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's still to a degree nutrient lacking because I'm sure people aren't getting a side salad or, yeah, yeah. or or whatever it may be. And like I say, you know, if, if you're having these kind of things on a daily basis or a meal deal at Boots, whatever, which is what, sandwich packet of crisps and a drink, you know, again, nothing wrong with that as part of a healthy diet, a healthy lifestyle. But again, you know, where's the good stuff? Yeah, you know, yeah. Where's the salad? You know, where's the, where's the veg? It's but not the, there. But then also it is like have that stuff, then crash in the afternoon because it's, you know, refined carbs, whatever it might be, and, and lack of, of other kind of good stuff. And then notice everything from over time doing this, like we've said, you get that really messy kitchen. And what that messy kitchen looks like to you is things like mood health goes basically through the floor, skin ages the whole body ages joints arthritis now has been shown it's not necessarily an impact related condition it 
can just be that your whole body is in a state of inflammation. Mm. Infection will occur because your immune system is so low from, again, the, the kind of high energy lifestyle and you know, high cortisol, stress hormones suppressing the immune system. And therefore, you might have an infection going on, not even really know about it, but it's creating habit with your joints and havoc with your mood and motivation and um, do you know what you go to the doctor you get told you're depressed here's some antidepressants or you've got some kind of arthritis or you've got some kind of just take these painkillers in fact maybe you will take the painkillers before you do anything else about it but what you've really got is a messy kit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what you really need is what we've just mentioned all of that stuff you know you need um start off with the, the diet side of it, you know, a big, big part of it is you need the antioxidants back into your body, you need the vitamins and minerals, you need the slow release carbs, you need the sleep, you need the fresh air, you need some daily movement, you need some oily fish, salmon, mackerel, herrings, whatever it might be, that's what you really need, and you need it for a good one to three months before you start assessing whether it ain't working, <laughs> do you know what I mean, like, you need to... And, and this is why, going right back to what I feel frustrated about, is why are we not taught this at 11 years old? Because we would probably maybe have a little dabble, but then at least we would know when the mood came down and the joints ached and we couldn't play football, like that would be important to you. And Or if I couldn't run, or if I didn't feel confident or my skin broke out, that I would know, okay, what I need to go and do now is go and eat more vegetables, stop eating boost bars. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just yeah, wondered, maybe I wouldn't have made that Do you change. know what, though? It's, know. it's funny that you say that, because remember me saying to you the other day, when I was at school and when we did food technology... All they kept going on about... Was a sausage plat. <laughs> no. Was, um, That's all my teacher well, went on yeah, about. But it was all about... It basically said carbs are the best. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know you, it's really important that you get lots and lots of carbohydrates in your diet. And, of course, it was like, you know, uh, pasta, um, whole grain breads, um, brown rice, breakfast cereals because they're fortified with yeah, like yeah. vitamins and minerals, nutrition. you know. And but the thing is, as a kid, you're like, oh yeah, okay, cool, cool. And in my head, I was like, oh, you know, my nan makes a wicked lasagna. I love cereal. <laughs> Sandwiches are fantastic. Like I'm, I'm nailing this. Yeah, yeah. But then it wasn't until um, you know my granddad always used to say to me, and you know, you know, it's no secret. Like, my granddad was a massive influence on me, and my granddad, you know always eating veg you know veg with his lunch veg with his dinner you know i'd started the day with a cooked breakfast or porridge you know pretty much every morning yeah, yeah. um and he was always like you know like you've got to eat you've got to eat your vegetables you know that's what's going to make you big and strong and and this that and the other and it really hit home with me because my granddad was a massive inspiration to me and and i wanted to be like him so for me i was like oh, brilliant you know and i used to just get the get the veg down me and i feel that now I don't know what it is like now at school because obviously it was so long ago that I was that I was there. But I think if if the message is coming as well from someone that you know maybe is a little bit more knowledgeable, um, you know they don't need to be a nutritionist or anything like that. But rather than just saying you know eat lots of You'd pasta and cereal, but if there's any teachers out there. Get Matt into the school because if you came into my school, <laughs> told me to, no, but, uh, I would be like, okay. No, but, but he's you, 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 are, you, you are on the money though because for me, it needs to be someone that kids look up to. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, there I needs agree. to be like you know why are social media influencers so influential? Yeah, because yeah. you know they're and, aspirational. They're, they're aspirational. You know some of the you know the the, the famous like Instagram women. You know like. There, there, is, there are a lot of followers that will hang on every word because they look how they want to look. They're apparently living the lifestyle that yeah. they want to live. And, and I think that it needs to come from someone who 
that person connects with yeah. on some level. You know, and you think of kids and, and you think of, you know, I'm talking about, you know, maybe like teenage boys now. You know, you know, who are their heroes? heroes you know, and it's, it's normally like footballers or, or athletes or, um, you know, maybe like actors, rappers, singers, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that person would have such influence over those individuals. Hence, the reason why these these people get endorsement deals because yeah, yeah. these companies know. But there's that, no shame that they use it to sell tap basically half the time. It's just tap that people. Well, promoting. you know, like or products like you know replacement stuff and. Well, know, you look yeah, at Ren- like Ren- Ronaldo. You know, probably one of you know probably the most famous footballer in the world, and you know, and he's KFC, things with Pepsi, and, and, oh, and God, stuff isn't like he one of them. On his uh, herbal life, Ooh, you know, and yeah. but on the one hand, you could say, "Where's your integrity, mate?" Like, you know, are you eating KFC all the time? Are you drinking Pepsi all the time? But Do you live off he herbal give a life? Lot to charity, doesn't he? He does he? give a lot to charity, yeah. and but also as well, is it down to anyone else to judge how he earns his money? You know, at the end of the day, he has a right to earn money just like everyone else. He's not breaking the law. No, no, no. You I know, know. And, it's, it's, but, I think it's a but, shame. But, but what, think... what, what, but what I'm saying is, is like he has a lot of influence yeah. over millions and millions of, 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 of people across the world. And I think that there needs to be more people of influence. Well, I was just watching... Um, well, I feel like we've gone off on a tangent. Massively, but, but I was going to say, just coming back to the kind of energy side of things, if, if people don't start to learn about the fundamental needs of the body, this is where it does end up with chronic disease. Like, and genetically, you can be more predisposed. So if it's already in your family, you need that awareness. And if you as a parent are suffering, those genes are being you know, expressed and therefore kids are going to be... You know, every generation that comes along now is, is more and more vulnerable to this stuff. Hmm. And I think... What's really important is that we, we start to educate them, but start to make them like appeal to their, like you've just said, their aspirations, their goals. So me as a teenager, when I got acne, if someone had actually taught me properly, this kind of nutrition would clear up your skin and you know this exercise or whatever, I, I would definitely listen because well, who, I was so who, desperate who, who to clear you, up my skin. Who did you look up to at school? Who, who was like maybe like a famous person? Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, right? <laughs> So if you read in, I don't know... Yeah, but that's the thing. You didn't girl, know what she did. Girly girl, Mag Weekly. Yeah, but there was no magazines, really. So you didn't know, like, that kind of stuff. Well, well, well listen. No, I know, for, I know. Forget what year it was for a moment, yeah? <laughs> if there was a... She was on... She was a guest on a yeah, yeah. TV show. Yeah. And they said, oh, Jennifer, your skin's flawless. What do you mean? What are your secrets? Yeah. And she turned around and said... Oh, well, I eat, make sure every day I eat at least five portions of green vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I eat um, raspberries and blueberries. And, but then protein is also very important for, for kind of like your skin health. So I make sure I eat these kind of... Like, you probably would have been like, oh, my God. And you would have said to your mum straight away, supermarket, but I want this, 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 this and this. It's interesting because I was really slim until the age of 16. Like, I, like I could eat anything and I couldn't keep weight on. I was too too skinny. And so it's weird that, and then I went on the pill and then suddenly gained weight, but then it also kind of, you know. But you went on the pill because of your skin, didn't you? No, 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 no. I entered puberty and, and, and fainted at school, so oh, I went on the pill. Well, so why, why did I use skin as an example? No, and then my then? skin exploded. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. And then I was given a heavier pill, which is more. Um, how, much, was, how much that weight? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so it's an anti androgen pill, which made my skin clear, but then made me gain weight because it suppresses testosterone. So anyway, like um, when I was skinny, I could eat what I liked and I didn't care. And I, I really didn't care. I ate a lot of things like McDonald's. Like my favourite thing to do with all my sixth form friends was was drive to McDonald's and get a, you know. And I worked in a pub and we ate Maltesers all night as like 
collecting glasses and then we'd get a pizza at the end of the night and it was a lock-in and I drank alcohol pops. Do you know what I mean? I didn't care because it didn't affect me. As soon as my skin exploded, I did become very aware and I started to do things like I remember someone saying chocolate made it worse. Mm. So, so get this, I switched over to Haribo. Like how much that? But I was listening, mm. but I just was misguided in terms of the information. So. It's just like biscuits <laughs> yeah, instead. Yeah, basically. Because someone's like, yeah, chocolate definitely makes the skin worse. So... You know, I just think if, if you get them at that point of, of pain, then you're going to be able to help them change. But prior to that, again, if we'd have had teaching from the age of 11, you know, I did want to be good at PE at the age of 11 and I was rubbish at it. And, um, you know, I've always ended up and I've kind of said to when I'm teaching, the thing is people do get there. It's just when they hit their kind of rock bottom that they get there. And that's mm. the sad thing. If you don't hit that rock bottom, I think I was lucky. I hit mine at 19. My mood went like seriously low at 19. I'd gained a lot of weight at university. My skin wasn't great. So I hit that rock bottom where I was like, I've got to do something. You know, I can't carry on. Whereas a lot of people, that doesn't happen until, you know, maybe late 20s, 30s, 40s. And then it's a really difficult reversal process. Whereas I've got into a routine of eating a certain way and doing exercise for, gosh, the last 18, 19 years of my life. It's easy for me. It's second nature. And, but yeah. And it, it, it doesn't change a lot of, of what people already know in terms of what we should all be doing. But maybe if you understood, you know, what it looked like and like you've said, or, or, or kind of just key principles. And what I will say is me and you are always, everything we put into Fit 16, 10 servings of, of veg a day, like if we can, 8 to 10 usually. Yeah. Um, hitting our protein goal, we have protein at every single meal, mixture of vegetarian and animal proteins. We get our sleep, we don't get enough probably, but we're still no, up. It's probably, we are seven and a half to eight hours. We probably need nine with what we we're, do. We're better than what we, uh, certainly better than what we used to be, aren't we? Yeah, we walk every day, we get yeah. outside, we have dog cuddles, we have cuddles. So we do a lot of the stuff that is fundamental and sometimes we just sit and eat peanut M&Ms and watch The Office and that is also amazing. And like, that, that is about turning your phone off turning your email off and getting out of work mode can but, be but, but this comes down to looking at health as, as a bigger picture yeah and this is what we were talking about earlier in fact actually we i think we should probably make episode 100 on, on you know like what what is health what does health mean to you because like you mentioned something earlier as well saying how much you used to love going to mcdonald's with your friends and just having a little gossip and a little chat and whatever that was part of your social health yeah, yeah you know and there yeah. are there are implications there as well if you try and become too healthy and i'm doing like quotation gesture here with my fingers yeah is that actually we've seen it time and time again people's quest to be healthy actually makes them the opposite yeah, makes you because honest. all of a sudden like yeah they're eating better food but that you know their their social health suffers their psychological health suffers all of a sudden um you know a quest for health becomes you know a symptoms of like orthorexia start yeah, to emerge etc yeah. etc et and, and i think we we should definitely talk about that because there is so much to help people don't even consider yeah um and and yeah i think we should talk about that in episode 100 but just to kind of wrap up you know like i don't and I know schools have limited resources. You know, I don't want my comment earlier to be a bit like, oh, you know, well, where do you think this kind of money or whatever is going to come from to do these kind of things? And and this is part of... I, I reckon we could recruit a team of people that do it for free. I'd we do know it for enough, free. We know enough amazing I, trainers fact, and you know what? I'm going to contact schools. I'm not going to wait for them to contact me or whatever. We should do our bit. Yeah. Let's reach out to some local schools. Let's, let's see if we can connect with some of these kids and, and have a positive impact because... I do genuinely think that more more does need to be done in the earlier stages. And, you know, I do genuinely think we need to educate the parents more because, you know, it sounds terrible because sometimes we even come across grown-ups, adults who 
you almost are surprised at their lack of knowledge. Yeah. Not in a bad way, not like, oh, blimey, you know, they're dim. You know, like not like that, yeah, but yeah. more so I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in it and you almost assume people know certain things. Yeah. But the reality is there are some people, very well-educated people, you know, it's certainly yeah, in what yeah, they do, do just don't know what you think they know. And if anything, that's a reminder to us that actually... You know, we, we need to, to approach this differently. We need to simplify things a little bit more for people. And we also need to make kind of health feel like it's a little bit more accessible because I genuinely believe that health is in it, health in itself has almost <laughs> rhymes. Health in itself. <laughs> health in itself has almost been made to become a bit of a fad. Like yeah. it's a temporary thing. Yeah. Oh, health is a temporary thing. Well no, it's not. Health is an everyday thing. Health is for the rest of your life yeah. thing. You know, so what can we do to, to kind of optimise that? Um, but yeah, it's uh, what's interesting to me is the more I learn, the more you learn, and the more in-depth we go into things, it still comes back to the same old things. You know, and it comes back to nailing the basics, you know, eating a, a varied diet, getting a variety of nutrients, finding a form of exercise you enjoy, moving daily, etc., etc. That's the kind of nuts and bolts of it at the end of the day. And it, it, to be fair, that's why we, we're doing like a bit of a food road trip, aren't we? Yeah. And um, we've got three locations in the pipeline so far. Um, and we've titled it the kind of like nailing the basics or doing the basics brilliantly well. Yeah. Because we, we feel it's really important that, that you do get that infrastructure in place. Um, and I think so many people try to leapfrog that by looking for a pill or paying a fortune for a freaking DNA diet test, yeah. whatever. Um, and and what and save your pennies now the basics. Um, we're going to be coming to Loughborough, Derby, and Scarborough. Scarborough. Oh yeah, Scarborough. Scarborough. Yeah, blimey. Proper up, up north. Isn't it? <laughs> um, that's proper up north. And hopefully, aside like from Scotland, Wales, that's Scotland. the most north I've ever been. But if you wherever you are in the UK, if you would like us to come your way, if you can actually help us. Find a venue, book a venue. You know, our plan is to do these for free. Um, so ideally, we would like places that are happy to offer the venue for free or a very low cost because we ideally don't want to charge people because we want to get as many people through the door as possible because that means we can help as many people as possible. And that's that's our goal. That's our mission um, is to change the health of the nation. Um, and we want to do that through meeting as many of you as possible and, and, and educating you to, to give you the confidence and to inspire you to make positive change and, and feel confident in your decision-making on a, on a daily basis to, to support you, your family and, and your goals, etc. Um, so, yeah, reach out if you if you can help us in, in that sense with a venue and whatnot. Because we're happy to travel every, anywhere, aren't we? We are, we, we like a road trip. Um, but, yeah, that was probably the most varied podcast we've ever done if anyone is still listening at this point in time i'll be very surprised it's an hour and 20 it was an hour and 20 we covered a lot yeah i think it's the problem sometimes when we when we leave such big gaps so too much so we're just like <laughs> so, there you go but anyway guys thanks for listening um hope you found some value in there somewhere um if you wouldn't mind just sparing a moment to leave a review on the podcast if you haven't done so already because it helps us massively um subscribe to the channel of course so that you get the new episodes as and when they come in and of course share it with someone you know if you feel that they will benefit from listening to our 
waffle, um, please uh, you know share it with them. It mean it would mean a, a hell of a lot. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's Tara from me. Tara from me. And we'll see you in the the big episode 100. Woo-hoo. See ya. Bye. Bye.